just our audience just saw that. Jazzy hands. <laughs> yeah, they just saw your jazz hands. I hope you've been practicing. Well, good afternoon to everybody that just saw my jazz hands. <laughs> I don't think we saw it quite that well. I don't know. Do it again. <laughs> <laughs> Only a musician can I have jazz yeah. hands like that. I yeah. have every reason in the world to have jazz hands today, everybody. Because you've been up for 12 hours and you're still standing. I am delirious. I've been up since four. But Me too. That's Oh, nice. <laughs> that is not what I refer to, Master Jimison. Did you get a new snake? Not yet, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> what I did get is my very first clutch of Morelia eggs of all time. Yay! Yay. Congratulations. Very <laughs> nice. <laughs> well that done. Does, that does Welcome call for Jackson. Yeah. That's the coolest thing. I remember I remember when Bratz was getting his first clutch of pop wins, how how stoked he was. I was just super hyped for him. So like, yeah, yeah that's that's pretty There's, rad, man. There's no feeling like that. I don't know. Like I was super super high off of it for a while. Like I still am when I look in there. I'm like, "Holy crap. She's on eggs." There's so much that goes into it. You, you know, you guys know yeah. and just the years of research and like in my case i got lucky and fast forwarded the growing the animals up part thanks to nick but all of that time like going to one single payoff you know it's pretty crazy pretty crazy yeah and i can only think of one thing better when they hatch <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly <laughs> yeah especially no. you're doing maternal right maternal incubation i am i am she is uh She's on them now. I'm sad because now I need to drop my bread like <laughs> you're going to crash tomorrow. Oh, dear. Don't worry. I, I won't do that. Well, half of them are going to Nick and then they're mostly Nick's animals anyway. Blame yeah. him. Blame Nick. Who makes more brettles, me or Nick? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Clearly. Clearly. <laughs> I mean, if you're really paying attention to the market of brettles. <laughs> <by then. laughs> so, uh, <laughs> uh, you know who makes a lot of brettles pythons? Me! <laughs> this guy. <laughs> All jokes aside, though, yeah, and like you said, they have to hatch, but there's so many things that can go wrong at every step of the journey, right? So even just to get to this step where there's perfect like pearly white eggs no slugs you know that yeah. felt like a victory in itself because she could have completely slugged out and then it would have all been like sad so yeah it's good so i'm curious <laughs> and maybe this yes. would uh be good for the listeners or some of the listeners that may be interested like what do you what do you uh, what do you attribute your success to what was the what do you think was the key factor in getting her to produce I think, well, first and foremost, the key to any success was following Nick's instructions. I do have to give credit where credit's due, you know. But right. that being said, one thing that I chose to do that is not a Nick recommendation is fairly regularly let them tank into the 40s. <laughs> and how is that? <laughs> you know, I sent pictures into the chat a few times where I clocked their bodies at like 46. Um, and... I just decided that they can handle it. Yeah. And if I was going to experience any infertility or failure this year, I 
did not want it to be an option in the back of my head for my the little voice to say, it's because you didn't get them cold enough. You know, right. Like, I just wanted to eliminate that as a variable. Um, and yeah, I mean, there, there were some mornings where they were too cold to lift their head. But as soon as I put them back in the cage and they got warm, you know, they, they're just fine. Um, and so maybe that was a good thing. <laughs> so what did you do as far as... Um... Like you gave them a hot spot during the day, they could get to regular temps and all that kind of stuff. Yes. So okay. I, because of the way I'm set up here in an apartment, I was taking them out in big bins every night, bringing them to the living room with an open window uh, to get cold. Right. So they okay. would then go back into the cages uh, around eight or 9 a.m. And, you know, the herp stats were set to give them about 80 to 82 degrees for, uh, I can't forget, I can't remember. I think it was six hours a day, uh, okay. something around that. And, you know, they would hug it. They would definitely get warm, uh, and then do it all over again. So that's, that's what I did. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. And it's odd that particular snake, they were all cycled at the same time everything was the same but she went a lot earlier than the other two that are somewhere between pre-lay shed and laying at the moment um and i do not know why <laughs> i guess they just do Each that Each animal's sometimes. different yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah uh so yeah we got them all really cold and combated males before every introduction <clears throat> okay and i did the car trick once <laughs> I, I threw the kitchen sink at it. Yeah. All right. Well, there again, you, go. you know, I'm, I'm not trying to just mass produce Brettles pythons for the sake of mass producing Brettles pythons. I'm trying to get a robust sample size for my thesis. So it's not all just for making as many babies as possible, you know. <laughs> Flood the market. Yeah. If, if I wasn't doing this reproductive study, I, I probably wouldn't have tried all four pairs, but yeah. And you have, you think you hit all four females? I hit three out of four. Three out of four. Okay. One is definitely a no-go, and the other two are definitely gravid unless I'm being fooled. <laughs> and you just got them from Nick, right? Yes, they came. Well, uh, one of the ones that took is the double-head pair that I've had for a couple years now. Okay. Um, but then the other two were the hypo-head stripes that Nick sent me uh, last March. Right, right when COVID started, just about. So, okay, yeah, all right. So and then I moved when I'm in September, so they had to, yeah. they had yeah, to that's... be okay with a lot. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's what I'm. That's what I'm saying. That's pretty, uh, pretty impressive. Yeah, I mean, you get no, them to go. You know, no credit to me. I'm glad that they were uh, confident enough animals to not be shaken by that. Yeah. yeah. Which, well, I guess that's why they are the superior Morelia. Uh, so. <laughs> Bingo. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> yeah. um, how many nights would you say you got them down below 50? Down below 50. So they were in what I would call the deep cooling for two months, which was anything below 70. I got them down to 70 in their cages before I started taking them out. Uh, and so of those two months, I would say below 50, if I had to guess, maybe two or three of the weeks. 
Okay. But it wasn't because I was regulating it. It's just that's when it got that cold. You know, the Bay right. Area doesn't get super cold. Um, but it was always below uh, 60 at night for sure. So oh, okay. he, when they were, even when they weren't in the 40s, they were probably somewhere in the low mid 50s. Okay. Yeah. yeah, I think uh, I think that adds up. That makes sense. <clears throat> right. right, right, Yeah. And, you know, like like you said, they're all individuals. The one that didn't go uh, had all the size and all the age to do it. And she just didn't cycle at all. So what are you going to do? <laughs> exact yeah, <wow>. same treatment. <clears throat> very cool. Very, very cool, man. And once they start pipping, you'll be. uh freaking out yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean i'm already freaking out like i i've called zach loafman like i think every day since she laid because right. i was afraid of something going wrong like uh when i saw her come out to bask and get a drink of water and noticed how much of her body condition is gone you know i've never seen that before in a brettles python so i didn't know if it's normal or if she's like on death's door and i was freaking out and he called me and he was like Ah, she's fine. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so it, it's all a learning experience. And uh, yeah, I just feel super lucky to have a bunch of knowledgeable folks. I can pick brains and not drive myself insane, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. That's cool. That's uh, Lucas's go-to old guy voices. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're right. I was still in Nick mode. Yeah. No, Zach, Zach doesn't even sound like that. He was more like, he was more like she's fine. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I guess he's just... like Eric. Uh, I got another podcast I want to do. <laughs> I got stuck. I've get Nick out um, of my head. <laughs> it was funny yesterday. Owen was uh, so we recorded with. Um, uh, it seems like he made the rounds, and I usually don't try not to do that, but um, it is what it is. But uh, um, Ryan uh, McVeigh. Uh, from Vivitech or Vivtech. Uh, Owen got Vivitech in my head. Um, <clears throat> anyway, uh, Owen was like, because it, it's been a while. It's been a while since it's been me and Owen and a guest. So it's kind of like, oh, okay, this is like the old days. And he he was just like guns are blazing, man. He's like, cha, 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 cha. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was like, yeah. wow. <laughs> That's kind of, that's how it was when we we uh, did our stream when you guys were in Texas too. Really? <laughs> yeah, He's like Melissa good. never lets me talk. I gotta talk. I gotta talk. I gotta talk. I gotta. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He unleashes. It's great. There's uh, a there's a saying that my bandmates used to describe our drummer that kind of applies to Owen sometimes, which is uh, constipation of the brain, diarrhea of the mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I say that in the best way. Because <laughs> yeah. oh, you can tell when it's there, it has to come out immediately. You know, like, <laughs> he can't sit on it. <laughs> I had this nice outline and ready to go and everything. <laughs> like, you know, like, He's okay. Like, but I have something to say. <laughs> He's like, throw that out the window. <laughs> Who needs this? It's what I want. <laughs> And it wouldn't be NPR without it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> That's oh, funny. But yeah, but yeah, it was. A, I was telling you guys, it was a cool conversation. Um, a lot of little like uh, I just remember. Um, I didn't have a pen, and I wasn't writing it down. But like a lot of times when I'm talking to a guest, and 
somebody's getting my brain you know, thinking in a different way. You know, I'm like, I'm like, oh shit, there's tons of little tidbits in there about you know, uh, breeding and keeping. And, you know, one that I thought was just the, was fascinating. I'll give you a little, uh, uh, preview, I guess. Right. So we were talking about enclosures, right. And think about Aki monitors or like Gigi skinks or, you know, it could be anything that lives in cracks and stuff like that. Right. He was saying about how our enclosures, like a lot of these, like, you know, monitors or whatever, like uh, dwarf monitors and stuff will go, and they'll sort of like, you know, they, they spend the majority of their time in these little cracks and stuff. And um, he was saying about how the one, uh, I want to, uh, I can't remember which species it was, but he was saying that they basically keep their mouth open at the front of the, uh, the crack. And then they kind of sweep their tail so that the, you know, bugs or whatever that are in that crack will go towards their mouth. And that's, you know, that's how they eat which I thought was pretty fascinating. And then um, he was saying about how, you know, they, they and, and as we've talked about this before, like microclimates and stuff like that, where it's like these little places and pockets where humidity and all this stuff to where they get to. And uh, I remember reading an article about monitor burrows or something. And it was like so crazy of how like, you know, how deep and long and, complex these burrows were yeah. and like we <laughs> we make this cage and 90 percent of the cage is based off of the space that the animal doesn't use and the space that they would use like a little box a humidity box or humidity hide is like 10 percent, where it should be the opposite way like how yeah. we design cages should be the opposite to where like those little cracks and and crevices and nooks and crannies and everything should be more elaborate and maybe try to, you know, get that humidity and temperature and all those things. Right. Um, yeah. I don't know. It just made me think like, wow, I never, I never, I never thought about that, you know? Yeah. I, uh, so I picked up those geckos from the show last weekend, but I also picked up a bunch of leaf litter nice. and the plan is to use that to literally create those microclimates on the ground and, you know, because if I missed it once in a while, some moisture will stay trapped under those leaves. And these animals come from a very arid, dry environment. But yeah. even animals that come from very arid, dry environments need moisture and they rely on those little microclimates. So the plan is to, you know, do a little um, clay wallscape and put cracks and crevices horizontally and linear and vertically and, and striate the 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 cracks deep enough for the geckos to go in there but then also put these these leaves on the ground so they have these little microclimates of moisture to run and hide and retreat to uh, yeah. when when the big hairy monkey walks into the room <laughs> um, but That's yeah awesome. and then you what you do is you make it so those little pockets are the favorable conditions for a lot of the time so for animals that experience high heat at least on part of the end you you make it that hot you know so yeah Greg 100%. asks, can we just use local leaf litter from around our areas? You can if you treat it. Um, either deep freeze it for like three whole days or uh, bake it at like 250 for like an hour or something. You just definitely need to make sure there's no parasites and stuff on there. There's a lot that you could bring into your collection that way that you don't want. So especially ants and things. 
Ah, ants. Yeah, Lucas knows <laughs> all about that. <laughs> Said the bay bad word. Yeah. <laughs> <Bioactive>. <laughs> um. Hmm. So Ryan had a comment about um Martin's Martin. reduced pattern diamond clutch. Oh, I think I saw that picture today. He got one reduced pattern out of the clutch. Yeah. So he yeah. let his diamond female uh maternally incubate this clutch and he didn't know how many eggs there were and uh once they started hatching he saw there were seven eggs only three made it i think uh four maybe total hatch and one of them didn't make it out of the egg or something like that so two normals and one rpd i'm assuming at least the sire was an rpd because if i'm not mistaken the dam that was on eggs was not an rpd mm-hmm. i don't know let me here i'll try and find it right now i still think that's a recessive gene and just a lot of them are i think so too i mean i was talking to todd about it years ago and he was telling me you know because he's close friends with gary valle that you know gary was trying to tell him there's a little marker that you can see and he like couldn't see it but it yeah it is it seems to be recessive so yeah i don't know what it is about the diamond python guys that guys and gals they don't they don't want to, I don't know, maybe it's chondroitis or something where they think they're <laughs> ma- magic snakes. <laughs> I don't know. Like somehow the genes are like magic. <laughs> you would think that with the amount of years arguing about it, somebody would have just done the right test breedings and figured it out. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 100%. Obviously, I'm not really in that world. Maybe somebody did and nobody's so listening to them. But <laughs> here's the female with the first pipping baby you can see there. You can see at least two or three of those eggs are toasted, mm-hmm. and they look pretty dry. So the even the good eggs look pretty desiccated. And then if I scroll up here, here's the post Ryan's talking about. Um, yeah, three mm. pulled out or pulled through out of seven eggs. So yeah, looks like it's uh definitely a recessive but at least i know behave that way yeah i know um uh well, greg heim uh he bred reduced pattern diamond to reduce pattern and he got all reduced patterns hmm. well 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 <laughs> i'll drink to that <laughs> just taking a shot in the dark i don't know <laughs> yeah Caramel jungles. Oh, Ryan, what have you become? What is wrong with you? <laughs> How's the world flipped upside down where the pure guys are now like all into these mutts and now <laughs> into pure stuff? I don't know. Oh, to be fair, Todd has so many snakes at his disposal. He makes everything. Uh, he can throw together like a blender of ingredients. He was posting like caramel zebra breadly jags and all sorts of stuff out there so i don't know why ryan's eye is always drawn to the stuff that like just what was uh, like that what was that weird uh inland something mixed Pet albino Casey yeah. cannon posted in the chat what was that uh, an abomination of some sort <laughs> so yeah inland albino a, is that what it is i think the snakes uh and snakes and stogies they were kind of talking about this and um they were saying about how it was um it's an inland so in Australia, they have made um, albino inlands. I wonder, I probably have a picture of one. They're beautiful. Probably not as nice as the 
albino Bradley, in my opinion, but um, still beautiful, you know. Um, but uh, he got Hets, right? He bought a group with, I think he might have bought the group with maybe uh, um, Billy Hunt, uh, like a joint pairing or something. But nice. They were cool looking. <laughs> Yeah, man. I mean, yeah. Like that I is said, what I can say. <laughs> <laughs> you just look at it from far, afar. I don't know. What do you guys think? You think that's uh, what's your? I know what you think, Lucas. <laughs> of albino inlands. Yeah. No good. I think it's. Yeah. I think it's not. Well, hmm. Give me a sec, Riley. You answer. I need you want to, me to formulate. Share? You want, no, me to show just, the, you want me to share the picture first? Yeah, I mean, sure, go sure. for it. It's, it's. I mean, it's pretty, but it's uh, not something I would necessarily aim to make, nor aim to purchase. Oh yeah, that's right. It it's really that. pretty. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, Eric. You know what? I'm gonna say something. You know what it kind of looks like? Popcorn. Citrus tiger, tiger, yeah, man, <laughs> yeah, yeah. kind of does, kind of has that color palette. It is um, interesting to me the way the this is crazy, the, right? yeah, the coloration on the front half in between the yellow splotches is like white on the front yeah. and then red so on the back. I I suspect that's the the Darwin influence because Darwins do that. They are very the hats are very dark in the front and they fade to more of a lighter caramel brown in the back and when you get the albinos you get very very bright white in the front and the color starts showing up better in the back so even though that's got inland in it to me that transition where the front has that white speckling that transitions to red makes perfect sense for the darwin influence in there Yes, Dave, they are Spilotoma. Currently, they are Spilotoma cafe. Um For now. Yeah. yeah, for now. So I guess that I have formulated my thought. Okay. I think it's more okay, in my opinion, than albino brettles, because brettles are a separate species. What happens when the book comes, or if the book comes out and that changes? And that's, it what does... gave, that's what gave me pause. I had to think about that. And then yeah. I'd have to reassess. <laughs> yeah, so for, yeah. Yeah, like I, I, I'm with you there. That uh, you and I share the same line in the sand, you know. Yeah. As far hybrids. as hybrids. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The, those dang hybrids. Gosh, I dig it, dang. Hybrids. I really think the, you know, I, I really think the draw to like these crazy co color morphs is, I, I, at least, this is in my brain, is that you, when you have an animal that is in a basic cage you need something to spice it up right so you, you get a crazy color crazy pattern whatever the case would be you're kind of like wow look at that you know and that becomes the art of the cage whereas like if you have a more naturalistic setup you probably don't need that as much and i think this is where those two groups sort of separate right because they can't get on the same wavelength because Somebody that's keeping a naturalistic enclosure and like, you know, all the bells and whistles and everything, the whole thing is like sort of a piece of art, if you will, mm -hmm. you know, and, and the animal is just the accent to the art, you know, it's kind of sure. like a fish tank, right? Sure. Whereas like, if you're just keeping the snake and, you know, you're just 
you, you know, you give it a perch and a water bowl and it's on paper or whatever. Um, you know, I agree. It, you I know, think I, at I don't some know. point when, if you're like going all out on a really nice naturalistic enclosure, like, you know, some of those really crazy like zoo level things that we see, I think if you put like a weird albino in it, it just almost looks strange. It right? doesn't feel right. Yeah, um, I don't know. It's like you almost did nature, but you did this. <laughs> <laughs> you almost did nature. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, it's true, though, right? I mean, like if you went to a zoo, it depends you, on the morph, though. Like some are saw, more out there than others. Yeah, but if you saw, like, I don't know, think of like the craziest ball python morph, and you went to a zoo and you saw that in there, you would be like, oh, that's at least in my brain, I would be like, that's kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, I don't know. Yeah. Right. See, see a bumblebee that's not even crazy but you see like a, you know a bumblebee just climbing around in right. this zoo enclosure corkscrewing like, upside down yeah it's a different it's a different thing yeah oh, man. yeah 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 I, yeah I don't know I, I it's such a it's such a weird topic but I think what really kind of changed my mind on this was that reptile flight club where they were talking about you know, how we talk about a mutt carpet python, like it's a negative thing, you know? And like, yeah. I think I sort of, I sort of mentioned this last night. I think like a lot of times carpet python people, Morelia people kind of miss the mark and like having people have pets, right? Mm -hmm. Like, do they really care that it's, you know, this M pen, you know, you know, you know the, the, I, I don't know. Maybe they do. I, I don't know. I don't know. Or that they just want a cool snake. Most people who are looking for a pet just want something that looks cool that won't bite them. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. You know, Riley, That's, you deal with it all the time. Well, both yeah. you guys do now. Yeah. You know? <laughs> I mean, you, you probably, you know, have more of a hand on that pulse than anybody that I know, but. Yeah, no, I mean, most, it, it most people don't on. care. Yeah. If it's pretty, they're like, ooh, I like that. Right. You right. could put something in front of them and be like, this is a pure, like, F2 West Papuan, yada, yada. You know, you could have all these facts, but then if it bites them, they're like, what about that one over there that's corkscrewing? <laughs> it won't bite me. You know, it's like, yeah. The, the priorities are different. Yeah. 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 Most people just want something that's pretty. The problem is then they get one and then. <laughs> Like two weeks later, they come back and they're like, I want a second one to try and breed it. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. Stop. You just, you just told my origin story. Yeah. That was me. That's terms like a lot of people. That's how a lot, yeah. because that's what a lot of um, is out there in the content. And Eric, yeah. I think you've, you've spoken about this extensively about how the community sort of makes it a thing where like, you're not legit unless you're breeding. Like that's kind of the way the hobby is sort of rolled up right now is like the, the focus is more on legitimizing yourself as a breeder, as opposed to just legitimizing yourself and keeping well. Um, and although we're seeing a shift towards more natural keeping and appreciation of that, um, people still in a big way think they need to breed. Yeah. Yeah. I think, yeah, yeah, I, I, I do. I do believe that, but I think, I think too, like, um, I, th I think for some people it's like a natural progression of mm -hmm. behavior, 
you know, like it's like I've seen all this behavior. I, I, I don't know. When I was a kid, it just seemed like it was impossible. Right. But back then, people really didn't breed. So it was like it was just like something that was just out of reach. Only only people with, you know, zoo backgrounds or you know what I mean? Like only people that had that ability and, and, and knew the animals like that and the needs and all these you know requirements and stuff. Um, and it just it made it seem impossible, even though it's not. You know, but um, I and then once it became different, I think, uh, and people could see it, it it's sort of like I don't know, it kind of it kind of shifted to where you had like just a bunch of and and I get so there's this so there's there's like three groups in my mind of of her her people, right? You got the people that that keep in naturalistic enclosures and you know, a minimal collection going bells and whistles as best that I can and trying to always make their care and keeping watching natural behaviors, fascinated by the animal, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, and then there's somebody that sort of does like natural, not, I wouldn't even call it naturalistic enclosures. Let's just say they provide enrichment, right? You know, that's the kind of like, you know, I got the Barbie dream house in the middle of the cage. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, uh, you know what I'm talking about, right? And there's a I little do. hammock up in here. Like, yeah, 100%. they'll use that stuff, but eh, there's not, you know, that's the pet keeper. Mm -hmm. And then you got the, the total geek out person, which mm -hmm. is probably where we are. And I think we talk about breeding because it's like this behavior that, you know, I think people are kind of interested in and fascinated by. And we sort of push it without necessarily do meaning to do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we, we kind of forget about the other parts of it and stuff. Yeah, know? sure. Sure. I mean, it's, it's tricky because I don't want to sound like a hypocrite, right? Because yeah, it's hard with this yeah. trying to, start a bunch of breeding projects and yada, yada, yada. But I guess the asterisk there is that I acknowledge that I don't have to, <laughs> you know, like you yeah. guys wouldn't think of me any differently if I just kept my, my snakes and never no. reproduce them. You know, it's like, yeah, that's, that's the asterisk. It's, it's okay. <laughs> but I mean, I didn't breed anything this year. Do you guys think that I'm not, you know what I mean? That you'd be like, you don't oh, even Burke know is, snakes. He's going downhill, <laughs> man. He's old man. <laughs> you know, past like, his prime, past his prime. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just like to take a season off every once in a while. The diamond yeah. pythons didn't go. Oh, by the way, uh, yeah. didn't get didn't get nothing out of them. But uh, next season you'll get forty eight clutches. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> do you have uh, not to switch gears? But do you have any thoughts on on why they maybe didn't do it, or just one of those things? <sighs> you know, I think my thought is is that I think a cup. I think I think the key with diamond pythons is no radiant heat panels. Mm -hmm. basking bulbs i think like that whole at least here because it it offers the gradient that i need um you know i think that with those radiant heat panels i think it just gets too warm for them if that makes sense and i don't notice the same behaviors i don't know so that girl that i was breeding she's on a breeding loan the guy lives in jersey so it's not like that it's that it's it's uh that far or anything so but i don't know i don't know maybe 
I mean, I saw locks. I saw all those things. Maybe I think it, it could be timing. That's another thing I think about, you know, because it's so weird with uh, what I'm used to breeding carpet wise. It's just sort of like a sort of, a sort of like uh, um, purposely negligent, I guess, is if that's the, the way, a way to say it, you know, like kind of ignored them, so to speak. And maybe I ignored them too much. You know, I don't know. But she she did all the signs. It just didn't go the distance. So I don't know. I wonder, too, I know diamond pythons are notoriously known for building nests. Mm. Um, I wonder if that had anything that came into play. You know, I think about, like, I think really them and king cobras are really the only snakes I can think of that, unless you guys have, what else builds nests? Well, what are we defining as building a nest? King Cobra style nest. Like gathering. Gathering materials. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. I don't. I can't. Nothing. Yeah. Nothing yeah. comes to mind. <laughs> yeah. I'm sure there is some. Somebody's yeah. going to be like, you know, some lot odd species, species in Indonesia or something. Take something. advantage of conditions that are nest like, but they're not building it. Right. Like. Yeah. The hollow in the tree, like with yeah. the nice soft bottom, you know, that makes or a pretty the, good net. Or the tortoise but, dug burrow. Right. But they yeah. didn't make it themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah. I'm excited for my first breeding season. But after building my naturalistic enclosure, I'm more excited seeing my animals behave naturally as possible. Yeah. One of my yeah. favorite things that I did in the last couple of weeks, I, I sent you guys some pictures. Um, on one of my work sites, there's a bunch of uh, blue gum eucalyptus. Uh, and a lot of it came down and I snatched a, a couple branches that looked good. And uh, I put the way that I treated it and nobody quote me on this as being the best way, but I put it in black trash bags, tied it closed and left it out in the sun for like a couple weeks. Uh, and that was good enough for me. And now I have uh, eucalyptus in my six foot blackhead enclosure and it looks freaking awesome <laughs> nice yeah there was like a shortage on that or something i, I tried to order some that oh that yeah from out west there was a guy in the west coast that grew it and it's all over the place man i'll mail you some <laughs> there's, there's blue and red I'm, gum I'm all over 50 bucks for it he's like now nah, we're all out i'm like you're saying you're just cutting it down like all over the place oh it's all uh, over dude, the it's floor everywhere in california <laughs> yeah, like, i'm talking really? entire yeah. forests like yeah it's all over the park behind me too yeah, yeah. shit wow that's yeah, crazy. Shit. happy the to trees are you falling over left and <laughs> right. right yeah yeah okay cool <laughs> and it's one of those things right if you google it you know all the the keyboard experts on the forums are like, Oh, toxic fumes, no eucalyptus. But you know, like, okay, you'd be seeing a lot of dead snakes in nature if that were true. So don't yeah. carpet bomb the cage with it maybe, but you know, a few is not going to kill your snake. Yeah. We used to, in, in Santa Barbara at the zoo for any sort of wood or branches or things that I wanted to put in enclosures and just take them out behind this building, spray them down with a very, very dilute, uh, bleach solution bleach and water just super dilute and like instantly rinse it off basically yeah and just rinse the snot out of whatever it was and then leave it out in the sun to completely dry it and call it good and never had issues for sure yeah because you can't disinfect something that's organic like that is physically impossible yeah 
the definition of disinfection and or organic materials it that that doesn't work basically like it's yeah a porous material from the earth it's not a it's not a disinfectable surface essentially so yep yeah yeah 100 my parents live with you yeah <clears throat> i remember um that was one of my favorite things about being in in uh queensland was walking into a forest that was filled with it and it was like having Vicks vapor rub just spread <laughs> all over your body. <laughs> I mean, like, yeah. Oh, my asthma is gone. I can breathe. You can do that in the East Bay Hills. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's much more fun to do it in Australia, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean though. It's like, it's, it's that smell. It's yeah. one of it's a kind. Nice. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's, that's all over the Bay area. Both yeah. sides. Yeah. Graham's saying you're speaking the truth about something, Riley. I don't, Good I don't job, know. Good job, Riley. Yeah. <laughs> I, only, I only speak the truth. Um, I don't know what truth, but your truth. We'll go with it. Yeah, yeah. Graham, man, he's like uh he's gonna he's gonna be a force to reckon with over here in the States pretty soon, you know? I mean, this oh, guy's yeah. going high end, man. He's, he's, tycoon. he's doing the deal. Yeah, it's good. I, uh, I, I, I guess I can finally talk about it, but yeah, I, uh, I finally declined that, uh, that offer and like, <laughs> I'm no longer being recruited by the Dallas suit. Oh, okay. Yeah. I, I haven't, uh, I haven't There's... heard back from them, which is funny. Cause like I, I emailed them. I was like, you know, appreciate the offer, but timing just isn't right. And just silence from them. Like, Ooh, I think they're upset. Yeah, a little more to the story than uh, what you originally thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, There always is. It always looks good on paper, and then you find out the truth about what's going on and why there's vacancies. And yeah, man. Yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm good where I'm at. You know what I mean? Yeah, you seem to be happy that doing doing the except when you get those crazy customers. But dude. (laughs) Yeah. Wait, I got to tell you this. Yeah, I always have a crazy supermarket story, right? So (laughs) it's 11 o'clock in the afternoon. Business is going, you know, people are shopping. And then all of a sudden, this guy walks in, no shirt, no shoes, right? He has a weed whacker in his hand, like one of them big industrial weed whackers. And he's like, comes charging in the store. And I'm like, what is this guy going to do? Is he going to try to attack somebody with a weed whacker? What's going on here? He runs to the meat department, goes into the meat department, and then runs through the back door into the back room. And he goes and tries to find the back dock, drops the weed whacker, and runs out the back door. I'm like, what the hell was this? Dude, people are crazy in this area. Crackheads, man. Literally. I wonder. I wonder. That's nuts. If you ever yeah. saw, what's that? Uh, what's that? Uh, I don't know. There was some documentary about uh, Kensington in Philadelphia. And <laughs> oh, literally, boy. that's not too far from where yeah. I work. So when you yeah. see that, you you get a feel for what's going on in my day-to-day life. I just <laughs> wanted to make sure that all the weeds were taken care of in your facility. Yeah. He ran yeah. out without shoes and shirt. He was that concerned about the weeds that needed whacking. Yeah, I don't know, man. I, I just don't know where the weed he's like, oh, I gotta ditch this. I gotta run pretty <laughs> quick, you know? Like I yeah. don't know why all of a sudden he's just that's hilarious. Gave up the weed whacker. 
I get some crazy folks that come into the shop because we're like on the other side of the tracks near 99 and like crazy homeless people near the hood. Like I get calls like dudes beating people in the street, like down, like just a few residences down. And like I have people that walk in the store and they're just like mumbling incoherently like, look at the lizard he's just like uh, and the guy's like oh he's looking for a job and i'm like what (laughs) (laughs) what is wrong with you people oh man it's like oh man yeah i got some crazy crazy folks that come in like mumbling smelling like you know the last week rolled over them brutal it's brutal yeah 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 true yeah at least you don't have to like explain to people how to care for the bread, milk, and eggs when they leave. Uh... And at least they don't call you later. From Seven Eleven, I put these in the refrigerator, and now oh. they're all dead. I don't understand why this meat went bad. I've just been shopping in the ninety-degree weather for the last ten hours. I don't. Oh. I've had it in my car. I don't understand. Uh, yeah, I will say though, Riley so handles the crazy elegantly now oh, i've yeah. been i've been witness to a few interesting events you, he goes above and beyond one time he even drove to a 7-eleven to help a family that had like just lost their new pet in the car you know like oh i wow. wouldn't have done that i would have been like well you lost your pet in the car like <laughs> yeah it, the the kid had uh, the kid's aunt had just bought him a full setup for this baby argentine tegu and they were like they listened to every word I well, the ant listened to every word I said. Yeah, yeah. And uh they bought everything, thermostats, like they they were gonna do it right, you know. I set them up for success and they were all about it. And the kid was just like he was so enthralled by looking at the lizard in his hands that he didn't listen to the main thing that I said, which was don't handle it for the first few days, leave it in the container in the car ride till you get it home, get the enclosure set up, put it in, leave it alone. Yep. Soon as he got in the car, he thought it would be calm. He could take it out, handle it. <sighs> no. Didn't and, work I, and he also missed the part where I was showing him how to handle a moving lizard and not restrain it and tell him not to grab it by the tail and stuff. Yeah, yeah he grabbed it by the tail and broke it off twice. Um, oh, the wow. section The section that I found was clearly the second drop. So he must have grabbed the tip and then the rest of it because – the part that they saved in the cup holder was like a third of it. And I found the lizard under the gas pedal uh, in the front driver's side, like, you know, in front of the plastic panel. And uh, they're a little freaked out, but uh, (laughs) they learned a really hard lesson as soon as they left the shop. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and then I was like, well, don't worry, you know, keep feeding it and give it rodents and stuff pretty regularly and it'll grow its tail back in six months or a year. You won't even notice. And yeah, they're, uh, they love it. They called me the, the next day. It's already eating and everything. But yeah, I literally like they called the shop freaking out, crying, asking yeah. for me, told me where they were at and I drove over and. Oh, oh yeah. No, I answered the phone. She was in a state of like, I thought she was going to tell me that the kid died or something like it with her reaction. On the phone. Yeah. She was she freaking was, out. She was so yeah. traumatized. I felt so bad for her. Cause yeah. like they were all just concerned for the lizard. Right. Yeah. hundred so. percent. I mean, I'm sure they're going to be a great family for the lizard, but my point there was that Riley is very good at his job and I yeah. am shouting him out. <laughs> very nice. Very it's, good. It's stressful, man. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, 
I really look forward to coming home and getting to take care of these animals and not have to answer to anyone. Yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah. Ah. Ah. Yeah. Uh, What do I think of rainbows now? Um. Sometimes after it rains, when there's sunlight. <laughs> um, I still have plenty. I still have one, two, three, four, five. I still have 2.4. Um, I'll be breeding hopefully these two females <laughs> this coming season. So um, I, uh, you know, I've had them for long enough where I don't know. I've There's not a whole lot left that I want to accomplish with them, but I just like, I don't know. I just really like them and can't get rid of them. And um, I will say for anybody listening, they are like really not good first pet snakes. So many people come to me and they're like, I want a rainbow as a first pet snake. And part of me wants to tell them, no, you don't. They really do like to bite um, and they're very shy. So that being said, they sell like crazy. (laughs) They're beautiful, right? They're very, yeah. yeah, yeah, they're fun, man. Like, the, the 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 pair that I held back. Um... <laughs> this hard crew uh, three Labradors yeah. that day. <laughs> if only that were possible, that would be cool. I'd be giving them uh, back left and right. Uh, um, thank you for that reaction, Eric. <laughs> yeah, that was good. Add it uh, to my best hits list. That's right. <laughs> Score yeah. one for intern two. <laughs> yep. I will Hold make on. sure Owen is nose. <laughs> intern what? <laughs> well, you. Oh, uh, I didn't tell you. <laughs> Your name is number two. Number two. Foiled again. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. just go by seniority. <laughs> I, I can respect that as long yeah. as it's not about facial hair. Yeah. <laughs> no. Y'all beat there. Yeah. Oh, got a, I got Sorry. a nice beard. I got a beard grooming kit for my Did birthday. You? Yeah. Yeah. With like oils and balms and combs and brushes and all this good stuff. And dude, my beard has never been softer and more tame. Beautiful. So over the uh <laughs> we were away in Texas. I grew, I grew, <laughs> I grew it in. Obviously, it's nothing like yours, Riley. You know, well, but... I've been doing this for a long time and right. then cutting it back in a long time. I haven't gone baby face ever so I, because I don't need to professionally. I think you come to this point in life, right, where you get to a certain age where you look better with it, like than you do without it. Sure, you know sure. what I mean? It, like it's like my wife's like, oh, that's like salt and pepper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was like. Okay, I know what I'm doing on this next vacation. I'm gonna grow yeah. it in and uh yeah. Go. yeah, man. Join the beard club. Sorry, it's fun. You're, just... uh, <laughs> it's okay. You're you're your George Clooney years. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Salt I mean, and pepper. No reason for me to feel bad about it. It's literally not an option. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe it one isn't... day you'll be able to get like the the Miyagi like the Fu Manchu. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just think of all the money I save on razors and shaving cream. Yeah. This is that's, true. That's my that's approach more to having no hair. <laughs> it is more Womas. <laughs> yes, more Womas. And I love those damn snakes, by the way. I, yeah, right? I, yeah. I I waited too underrated. long to get I waited way too long to finally get some. I'm so glad that you got a pair. Good. 
Good, Riley. So I was packing up some of the ones Wait, that we shipped out the other day. You I, ha- you didn't have Romas? Really? <laughs> wow, I, didn't I, know that. I fell the in love reason with... I thought you had a I thought you had No, a I see I fell in love with Romas back in my Santa Barbara Zoo days because I raised ah. one up and made it an education snake there and he became like my favorite animal. Yeah. Um him the giant uh Madagascar giant hog nose. You see oh, where boy. these trends got me? Yeah. yeah um those were my two favorites and uh yeah i think just because i had him for so long i was spoiled um and then i've been you know pretty focused on the the carpets as far as australian stuff goes and i just i just lived vicariously through everyone else and kind of put the blinders on and then being around them at the shop and getting that one uh female for mike in and just you know seeing them breed and and getting the eggs and hatching now i'm like i'm all in i'm trying to eat the hook (laughs) yeah yeah one of the babies that we shipped out to a customer lucas uh its belly was the cleanest most electric bright orange i'd ever seen i pulled it out i was like oh gosh i think i picked wrong (laughs) (laughs) yeah no there were there were a lot of good orange bellies in that clutch Uh, the female that i chose i selected specifically for that for my super orange male that I would pull out right now, but I would get bit guaranteed. Yeah. So, you know, the problem is, is now that I, I've had this thought, this discovery, this eyesight is that I need more. Yeah. Yeah. It's not good. That's, yeah. that's not exactly good. right. No, I mean, stop, stop, stop. Blackheads stop. and Wilma's. Stop, stop. Yeah. We I were, would like to believe that my constant Aspidites obsession didn't, help you avoid the woman <laughs> oh man well what's going to happen is eventually rachel and i'll buy a house and then i will either end up being able to convert the garage or have like double the space and then we'll we'll have the cnc machine running by this august we've already got 100 sheets of, of plastic in so so excited be able to just be like oh grant can you cut me a six footer i need a six footer <laughs> next week yeah, no problem. Oh, wait, he bought a CNC machine for the store? Yeah, the yeah. Shop? Yeah? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's, that's... Yeah, so he, he's been working on this for a long time. He bought it in January. Yes, he, yes. he ordered it a long time ago. It's it's supposed to be come, it's supposed to be here now, but it got a little delayed. And then he preemptively bought um, 100 sheets of PVC. So we're going to cut a bunch of cages and sell them locally for the shop. Um, yeah, just kind of supply the local market. I and, will be first in line for like four more six footers yep yeah yeah absolutely yeah i'll finally be able to start hitting the next phase of my conversion um you know first thing is need to get into more space but yeah ideally i'd like to put all adults you know everything three years and up four years and up into you know glass front enclosures and then just raise babies up in racks and not really not really have as much quantity and shift more towards quality over time. Yeah. And then do more of the, the nice displays. Like it would be a crime for me to not, you know, properly showcase the Apodora properly highlight the Kribos properly do stuff, you know? So I'm going to try to ship (laughs) one day. No, Ryan, we are actually never going to ship. We have no, (laughs) no reason for us to ship. There's such a huge demand locally that that would just be such a headache for us. Yeah, Why would you even want to get involved? No, no, we don't. We don't want to. We want none of that. 
Um, yeah. FedEx is a nightmare right now. FedEx is a disaster. I'm sorry, Ryan. I know you work yeah, for Yeah, Cox. Yeah. <laughs> FedEx your, is at get, it. FedEx get, is at an all-time low. Get your house in order, bro. <laughs> oh. all, all I know is that like a lot of these major like wholesalers and shipping companies have ditched their FedEx contracts, and now I've got you know USPS and UPS bringing me animal shipments, and I'm like, oh. This is still new to me. Oh boy! Really? What? I, oh yeah, all the all the time. Is it lack of? I guess it's just same thing that's going on everywhere in the U.S. Just lack of help. Yeah, I think that I think the demand just far exceeds the supply as far as how many packages are going out and how many couriers exist. Yeah, I don't think anybody could do it right now. I don't think if fedex ups and the usps all join forces they'd be able to like smoothly take over the the volume that's coming through it right now i just think there's too many people that have spent the last year and a half sitting at home ordering everything online to come to them that now we've really taken this convenience culture to a, a a completely exponentially huge level where literally everything has to go through some sort of shipping system and 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 I'm even talking on like a macro level, like just from the grocery store to me or, yeah. you know, the, yeah. the target to me or food, like everything. So yeah. damn you, Bezos. <laughs> I just don't think there's enough. There's enough manpower quite in, in the right place yet for for shipping internationally or domestically to be as smooth as it could be. But I digress. Yeah, yeah we even have the problem with even just yeah food getting to the store. Just it's mm-hmm. it's. Mm-hmm. It's crazy, man. It's it's yeah, and part of it is out of everybody's control. I mean, I don't think any of us could sit here and say COVID didn't play a role in you know oh, the, yeah. the hiccups and the hang ups and a lot of the international dish, distribution of supplies, resources, goods exchange, etc. So yes. there's a lot of it that's out of everyone's hands. I know I don't want to say this in the wrong way, but I think like one of the positives about COVID, right? At least for the hobby is I think that it it got more people into the hobby, you know, being at home and being on the computer and hundred percent, you know, yeah. I think it was a huge push. I think I I've seen a huge spike in podcasts, right. Just podcasts in tons, general, you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah, yeah. um, you know, I, I think, I think I, I got to give it to the, to the younger generation because they're like, you know, whereas my generation's like, oh, well, I got to get a job. So I'm going to go and sludge to work every day. And I hate doing this. And this isn't what I want to do. And da, 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 da. And I think one of the things that has happened is like people were forced to be out of work and they're like, well, screw that. I'm not going back to that shithole. <laughs> you know what I mean? And they're yeah. like, I'm going to do what I want to do. Like I can yeah. now stay. They, they were afforded the opportunity to sort of create their own fate, if you will. You know? Yeah. And uh, I think that you know, I, I think it's it's going to be a shift in uh, in the in the in, at least in the U.S. You know, because yeah. you know, like my my company would never pay money, and now it's like they don't have a choice. You know what I mean? Yep. So now they're like, oh yeah, give them give them seventeen dollars an hour, and they're like, it, you know, yeah, but I mean, it, it's it's crazy. You know, yeah. sign on bonus and this and that. Like I got two days off now a week. Right. I I haven't had two days off a week in 27 years i've worked six days a week for 27 years and my and like we we had this point where if we wanted to have two days off we were gonna have to take a pay cut well we don't want to take a pay cut you know and then he's just like okay well you 
you can have two days off. Like what? Wait, what? <laughs> we don't, we don't lose anything. Well, we don't want to lose you. So take two days off, you know? It's like, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. everybody, labor is important now. It's yeah. uh, it's an interesting world to live in. I mean, I studied a lot of this stuff in, in college. I got my, my bachelor's in global and international studies and just kind of how everything is so interwoven interconnected and how you pull strings this way. And it has effects everywhere. Yeah. And, uh, COVID really just accelerated some of the, uh, the process quite a bit in a, in a, in a short window. And it, it really, it's really interesting for me to see it because I'm like remembering all of these like discussions and lectures and things. I'm like, uh, yeah, it's yeah. funny how everybody thought my, my degree was kind of just this silly, like, Oh, that's not important. Like, what are you even studying? And now like the, the global effects of, a viral outbreak or in everybody's face and everyone realize it all. I'm like, hmm, yeah, that's, uh, yeah, that, yeah, it makes sense. You know, now we all see it as a very in your face sort of, sort of thing. And, um, yeah, I don't know. It's just crazy. They should just open up all the borders anyway and let us get Australian reptiles finally. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, yeah, it's a weird That'll thing, happen. man. You think so? Yeah. You have faith that it will? Oh, I've always had you faith. I think I have even more faith now because of COVID. I, I had faith for a long time, but like everybody poo-poos me and like, oh, you're so naive, man. That's not going to happen. And I'm just I like, I just don't understand why it does, doesn't make sense to me, why they they wouldn't do it. And mm-hmm. I think to a certain extent, it's kind of like sometimes you got to take a look at it and say like, okay, so you'd rather me run the animal over on the road, right, than touch it. And it's like, I think it's just like, no, you can't have it because we don't want you to have it. <laughs> yeah. It feels, it feels very much like a pride thing. Yeah. You know, I mean, yeah, they can, they can justifiably say like, we want to protect our wildlife and that's fair. That's good. You know, I understand up. totally yeah. not letting things in. You yeah. Know what I mean? For sure. Absolutely. For sure. 100%. But, but captive bred stuff going well, out. Yeah, I mean, there's there's ample evidence of exactly what Luke is just saying. Captive bred stuff from other places being exported to the benefit of the the, the country of origin. I wonder I, if it's just that the the Australian reptile hobby is not is is sort of in a, and just I, I could be wrong with this, but it seems like it's like in its infancy as far as like if you compare it to say the U.S. or Europe, right? Am I wrong in thinking that way? I don't like, know. <laughs> like, I know that people have always kept reptiles. I'm not saying that, but I'm saying for more from a commercial point of view. Um, yeah, I, I think the market is younger there. Yeah. Definitely. So maybe like as that develops more, maybe then that will be an outlet for, because I would imagine with a country that, you know, let's face it, they don't have the population that we do, so they would never be able to do it on a, on a scale like that. And if they wanted to, I would think that that would be the option. And I think it's better than poaching this shit or, uh, you know. It's just funny that they like where they draw the line about what's okay, you know, leaving the country because they'll absolutely let uh, the marine fisheries and corals and everything yeah. birds all that stuff all their native marine life and 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 bird uh life you know leave the country legally under you know permit and export system i mean 
I don't, I don't get why the reptiles are so different. Yeah. Hmm. I mean, I totally get the why they're saying there are animals and, you know, I mean, they're very unique animals from that, from that place, you know, and totally, I would totally cherish the, the, the wild. I just, I mean, they're going to, sad to say it's just it's gonna happen anyway right i mean yeah why <laughs> why why be this why be the sole reason a black market exists and and at the at the the at the cost of an animal's life or many animals life when it has to be done illegally when you could do it legally with proper funding and and structure and protocol behind it and you know protect the animals in that way yeah I mean, it's it's been tried and true across the world that if you if you put value on the preservation of a species and create a captive market alongside of it that is regulated and you manage the number of animals that leave and how it's done, um, that it brings a lot of funding back into that system that then was created to protect the native wildlife in the first place yeah you know, hey. like what the united states does with hunting permits and things how yeah. about this how about for every dollar spent on an exported captive bred australian snake the government also kicks the australian government kicks in an extra 50 cents on the dollar that goes to a conservation effort for that species boom yeah Done. i mean you could like, really come creative. up with something that simple <laughs> yeah you really could or it could just be a simple tax for for every animal purchased from an international buyer, there's a small fee. Like it could just be wildlife $5, fee. a wildlife I would pay fee. a large fee. <laughs> you, you know what I mean? Well, but I, think about it. Think about yeah. it. They wouldn't even have to make it an insurmountable fee that would alienate people who are just trying to chip, you know, sure. think yeah. about the common person. Like think about, you know, there's 10 people in a, in a herp club somewhere in Europe and they're like, Hey, let's all get together on a permit. Let's get a, a crate in. And yeah. then everybody, you know, splits the the total fee and maybe they regulate it per weight or per box or per animal. And it's, you know, various species to species, but they could essentially make it so that it's only a couple bucks in, in certain circumstances so that everybody can come in and think about how much that's going to add up. You know, think about like a food vendor that's going to a spot. They want to make some money. They could charge 15 and $20 for plates or something. And people be like, yeah, I don't want to spend 15, $20. And they might get 10 buyers, but if they charge like 10, 12, $13, they might not get as much per plate, but they'll get 40 buyers. Yeah. So it adds up, you know, I, I think, I think there's a lot of money to be made. It could be done in a very well-regulated way that protects the native wildlife, discourages the illegal trade as much as possible, and then has stipulations to the money going back towards conservation and wildlife protection. I would bet that you would see I, I again I'm just speaking Australian reptiles right but I think that if 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 they legalize exportation and they made you know whatever the fee you paid the fee blah 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 I would think that smuggling would 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 disappear yeah more or less I, yep. I, I I know because even if you wanted, say you wanted a, a, a you know, a, an unrelated jungle carpet or something, you know, and Pilbara um, locality blackhead. <laughs> yeah. Or that, you know, or, or an Owen Pelly Python, you know, whatever the case would be. Um, you, 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 even if you can't be one of the people that import it, 
if it imports into the U.S. And and that's the other thing. It's not like each year there's going to be a new rush for importation. You know what I mean? Uh-oh. Like eventually it's going to start to like, you know. There has start- to be a limit. Yeah. There but I think eventually over time it would start to like, you know, it would start to like level out. You're not going to yeah. keep. It's not like the ball python trade where you're just going to keep importing, you know, 10,000 you know ball pythons every year yeah. i don't even do they even still do that is that even a thing still i mean uh yeah a little bit yeah but why yeah, a bit yeah well there's it's it's done differently now there's like a whole like eco tourist side of things to it there and those guys over there um make their living off of selling the babies internationally so if it's not coming to the u.s it's still going everywhere else so yeah, and that's the other thing that I think people sometimes forget. It, it's it's all about perspective, right? And you know, Daniel Natushits on this, like every time he's on a podcast or in front of people or whatever that I've heard him talk about, just the 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 reality that you know, if if they're going to get two hundred dollars for a Bowens Python in Papua New Guinea, um, you know, that's going to that that's like hitting a lotto. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah, for 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 people that you know don't really have a job or an income or anything like that where they're going to go and do that. And I think, you know, you would, you would think that they would do it responsibly so that that resource continues to, you know, to be a resource, I guess. What, what would absolutely need to happen would, there would have to be an intermediary sort of third party that would facilitate kind of a neutral running of it all like an ngo like a non-governmental organization that would be started by somebody who's helping getting it off the ground but ultimately run by locals there you know you get them invested in the project you know give them reason to want to participate make it worth their while financially and and livelihood wise and and teach them how to do it for a few years get it up and running and then by the time you know you let them go on their own they're running it themselves. They've created an industry that sustains them. And then it's responsible. It's, it's organized. It's regulated. Right. Um, there's there's Yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, I was really, the, I think the thing I love about West Texas and Herpin in West Texas is it seems like that whole area in, you know, like the walking the cuts and the big bend and all that, that, that area is sort of like the, the economy seems to sort of like, you know, be centered around snake, you know, herper, you know, herpers, you know, people yeah. out herping looking for snakes, yeah. you know, cause you're going there, you're going to the gas stations, you're getting gas, you're renting cars, you're going and eating in the restaurants, you know, you're staying in hotels and mm-hmm. like, they're very accepting of the fact that, um, you know, you we're there to look for snakes. Whereas like in Pennsylvania, you know, you, they'd be like, well, you're doing what? You know, <laughs> you know, where, but there they're like, uh, oh, guys with the vests on must be looking for snakes. Find anything, you know, even where the cop is pulling over and talking to us about, you know, about snakes. It's just, you know, border patrol. Hey, find anything tonight? You know, it's just like, yeah, oh, okay. it's, that's cool. It's, it's just interesting, you know, and they know yeah. that we're there and just, uh, you know, excited to take the picture. Yeah. yeah, it's ecotourism at its finest. If you tap into it, there's a way it can be done responsibly, ethically, and encourages a respect of the environment. 
and it benefits everybody because like you said, you're not the only ones going out there doing that and spending money and buying yeah. gas and staying in hotels and eating in restaurants. It's a lot of people coming and doing that throughout the year. So it's the same thing with like Costa Rica and sure places yeah. that, you know, rely on a little bit of, uh, of outside tourism to bring some money in and stimulate their economy. I so. wonder if, I wonder if the Everglades or anything like that has that, that, uh, I mean, I, I mean, know. all the all the outposts and the the small little zoos and facilities that take you out on fan boat rides and that's all cool, that good man. stuff, dude. That's, that's cool. so much fun when they take yeah. you out on a fan boat and they rip yeah. around at three sixty and you're just like <laughs> yeah. floating, you're like, yeah. Woo! it's good times, yeah, good times. Especially when the, then they stop and they're like, okay, there's a spectacle caiman not supposed to be there. You drive around, there's a gator supposed to be there. Drive right. around, there's another caiman not supposed to be there. And you're like, this is awesome, right? <laughs> Yeah, that's yeah. that's a good time. But yeah, I mean, anywhere that has nature that needs regulation, there are opportunities for employment um, and and financial benefit that can be funneled into the protection of that wildlife for sure. Yeah, and exploitation so, can be done the same way. Yeah. So I thought we would talk about a carpet python that was found in broom. Broom. <laughs> Broom, broom, uh, broom. Lucas is over here thinking of like revving up a car. I was trying to do bullfrog, broom. Oh, okay. So good one. Thank you. It's a Darwin carpet. Yeah, I was gonna say that looks Darwin-esque. It's got a smudged head stamp. But doesn't the head look weird? It's very long. Yeah, Yeah, right. Pretty narrow, huh? Right. Huh. Very cool. There's the yeah, there's that blank sort of skull look. Yeah. It's interesting. Very That's cool. where they're from right there. Yeah. That's has a lot of those colors, the same color palette that we see. If yeah. you saw this snake in captivity, would you think it was ill cared for? Oh. Um I would think it probably hasn't been eating too often i mean it looks lean but the scale condition looks rather healthy it doesn't look like waxy and cracked and beat up and snout rubbed i mean his face looks clean his eyes i would just say it's probably a lean male yeah that would be my guess look at those scales on the face though man yeah that's awesome i think that's my favorite thing about carpets is that Oh, they have like the white, you know, it's almost like mm-hmm. the white lip, but they have those like, you know, big, huge lips, labial scales, I guess. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's why I've always loved raising up jungle carpets is because they always have the the yellow and the white accentuating that right there along the way. And it's just. Yeah. hundred percent. Pretty badass. Very cool. Yeah. That's gorgeous. Yeah. Oh, Darwin. Look, Darwin's. The love a hate relationship with these snakes. <laughs> yeah, the damn snakes won't breed. Yeah, but I, I can't get rid of them. Yeah, they're just too cool, I, man. I, I think I'm gonna continue to neglect my female for a little while. She has not been fed in like six weeks, and I think I'm gonna like not feed her for another at least four weeks, four okay. or five weeks, and. Right. Uh, just give her the entire summer off because like I said earlier, I think I overfed her in the earlier years and got her too big too soon. 
and she does not act hungry at all. So I'm just going to like ignore her for the summer and then fall, bring it back up. See if that gives me different results. Yeah. Does um, I'm curious. You probably talked to him about it, but does Todd have any uh, difficulty with Darwin's out there on the West Coast? No. All the years that I would ask him about it, he would just look at me like I was crazy. He's like, if you can do coastals, popwins, and jungles, you should be doing Darwin's. And I'm <laughs> like, like, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. Huh. I don't know, man. I don't know. I've I've experimented with a couple of things. I've experimented with running those two animals slightly warmer. I've experimented with running them a little bit cooler. Um, my male is... Shoot. He's six years old this year my females five so that's you know they're not young but they're not old either so um i don't know i don't know they have had to deal with me moving up here three years ago um you know which is kind of like in their early adult years when they're like three and two and three so you know maybe that had something to do with it um i don't know i don't know i feel like this was supposed to be the year when i where i would have gotten them figured out because if there's nothing special to them and they're they're more winter breeders like uh you know like the rest of that group then i don't know i thought i would have figured it out by now i don't seem to have too much trouble with jungles poplins or coastals anymore so hmm. i don't know yeah i'm gonna i'll be uh i'll be doing that uh i'll be doing pure darwin's next season so Hopefully well, we can commiserate together. Yeah. I'm curious to see. Uh, I don't know. I don't know how it'll go. I'm, I'm curious, you know? Yeah. Hmm. I, I, they need to justify their existence here is the problem. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I mean, space is at a all time low. <laughs> yep. That is true. Yeah. yeah. I do. I probably could do with a reorganization and, and a few things. And I've been thinking about like where, what animals need to upgrade and how, and then what that means. And I just, I need another, I need another V70 rack. I need another stack of cages. And uh, yeah, the list goes on and on. I have too many snakes. That's the bottom line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I can, I can totally relate yeah 100 percent. it happens it is what it is i'll tell you what man i got that i know you were talking about it but like vin russo's um red line of children's pythons oh yeah that that one i got to go with the one i got from you yeah how um, look? oh dude it's yeah they're looking sharp i guess i gotta oh. start taking pictures of snakes again man i haven't yeah. taken a picture i haven't taken a picture of a snake in a long time i, I know see, you used uh, to have them on the regular yeah, yeah. I want to I, see what that Woma you got from Keith is looking like these days. Oh, man. It's Woo. been a while. That thing is nice. <laughs> yeah, I need I need to get something from Keith down the line, too. Yeah. Yeah, Keith is... Uh, he's 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 my uh, Obi-Wan Kenobi. <laughs> so he he's, produced some Womas? Oh, yeah. Yeah. His is uh, Miller Lines stuff. Um, but... Um, this one that hatched out was just, a, it's just phenomenal, you know? And see, that's the good, I think, I think this is where I get it from, man. He's had such an influence on me and like, um, you know, when you hang out with him and, and you get to talk with him, and he starts like, he's like, he's, 
he's got this zone where he like i don't know how to explain it he just like he's like he can understand the animals in a different way i think because he worked with so many different animals he just has this brain that's like he he's like oh well he, he like i don't know it, it it's hard to explain but i think like you know how like when you see uh what was it like goodwill hunting where the, like yeah. he sees his brain and it's like this math problem and it just goes like and it's all like happening in front yeah that's how i think his brain works when it comes yeah. to yeah. reptiles yeah. um but uh he just got a pair of mexican indigos Oh, sweet. Oh, this are beautiful, man. Oh, man. Woo. Yeah. Badass. yeah. So, so the pretty. Entire dry mark on genus is just yeah. <laughs> unbelievable. Like, you want to talk about big, impressive, addicting, um, just switched on colubrids. That entire genus is six species that everybody should have. Like there's six of them. And if you're one of those people like me that needs to collect them all, you're just like, Ooh, that's, that's oof, man. Yeah. They're really, really nice. Yeah. They need a lot of space though. Right. Yeah. My male's in a six foot cage and he just laps around it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I thought about putting one out in the other room cause it kind of gets colder in there, you know, but yeah. I don't know. They would do I, well, man. I don't put any heat on mine. They're just ambient. I got to get to the point where like, I think for me, like I have to get to the point where I've, I've like gotten rid of everything that I don't like. I, I you know what I mean? Like I got to get to net zero and then maybe I'll add something like that. Yeah. You know, I can't, I got a whole bunch of stuff that I'm sending to Billy stuff to you guys. You know, I don't know. I, I just, I haven't been motivated to ship. I don't know what it is. I'm like, uh, it would be like Wednesday and I'm like, Oh shit, that's another week that went by that. I didn't ship. Damn it. <laughs> well, it's warm. So yeah. Yeah. yeah so. It's warm. I will have places for them in a yeah. short period of time. Dude. Wait, do you guys see these IJs I'm going to send you? You lose your shit. Oh my God. The banded Yay. one. <laughs> oh man you're gonna that, be like ah when did bye you bye produce hot those <laughs> Rainbow, <laughs> what? owen's got to clear some animals out of quarantine and take these hognose in yeah oh, and i i dude my flame for those hognose went out yeah, yeah. Put, first hey, i mean it. it's good that you can recognize that instead dude, of just I, I love this I'll never not love the species and there's no telling if I'll, you know, if I'm done with them for good, you know, but like they have become such a chore for me lately. I, I think they do best communally, but with me having so many snakes and them being in like a second from the top cage. And I, I think they would even do better in a six foot cage with just because I have so many other snakes. I don't have the time to, to really keep up with them these days and they just they're not my priority and they hate me and uh-huh. yeah after that one female bit me a few times too and like mm-hmm. my hand was itchy for a few days after and just kind of i was just like you guys are like like i don't know i'm not i'm not gonna miss them you know what i mean and, yeah. and because owen is so infatuated with them and he's about to have eggs hatch from his any day now. And he's got the entire group now because I like yeah. sort of obsessed. I, I think they'll be better off with him. And I'd love to see them 
you know, do well there. And then I'd love to see that cage with an Apodora in it that doesn't <laughs> the glass like my freaking hog nose do. Yeah. <laughs> How are the ones from Rob doing? Good? I love them. I'm obsessed. Yeah. They are most behaviorally unique animals in this building for sure i mm. i will never ever live without apodora again ever yeah. as long as i can help it they're truly the greatest uh big snake for me um i i don't to me it's like you can't compare carpet pythons and apodora because that's like that's like light that's like lightweights and heavyweights you know in in fighting they're just different oh, classes yeah, yeah and um you know, there's some lines that once you cross, you can't ever go back on. And and one is keeping carpets. Once you go carpets, you're, you're screwed. Um, and then, blackheads. yeah, yeah, yeah. Same with Aspidites. And then, uh, and then Apodora, man, like, to me, having this pair come in from Rob was such a huge step forward in my understanding of the species just within the first, like, couple weeks that they were here which it's only been a couple of weeks now that I think about it, but um, like they're very behaviorally different male to female. The male is very similar to my, my juvenile male that I already have, which I found very interesting to see. They're very skeptical, very cautious, very uh, hesitant, very quick to retreat to their safe spot. Very vocal, like really vocal, um, huffy, puffy, heavy breathing. You can hear it when they're nervous the female is very confident and observant and uh, she goes from zero to like ready to defend and fight pretty quickly. Um, so she, I think I need to build some trust with her much in the same way that I do with monitor lizards. Um, but the males I can just pick up no problem. The female, I have to like sit with her, use the hook, kind of, communicate a little bit that we're that we're hanging out and and try to switch her off because she's a beast mm -hmm. and so far they've been eating well for me so they're gonna get more food today um i've still been doing the little quail and chicks and um chick down on the 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 nose of the rat that i'm offering them and so far they they haven't really given me any hesitation or, or fiddling around with the food or anything so i don't know maybe the maybe the flight from Colorado to Memphis to to California, you know, broke them of whatever food quirks they had. So do mine piss every day? Uh, no. Uh, I know that they urate frequently, and especially right after you clean them. They definitely like to leave little urates. I wouldn't say it's every day. I would say my males probably do it every three days. I'll find a little new spot. The female actually have... Uh, I'm experimenting with running her on cocoa blocks right now because I was worried that not having a buffer in the heat from belly heat um, was keeping her too hot and then having her too riled up and too fired up all the time and too anxious. So by putting uh, uh, a good layer of cocoa blocks, it kind of adds a thermal buffer a little bit. So it kind of cools her enclosure down a little. Um, but I'm also not seeing it as much. So I think they all still do it a little bit, but I'm also feeding mine very small and sparingly. So I don't know. They, they like to pee a little bit, but they're not as bad as retics in my opinion. 
And to be honest, my perspective could be completely different from yours because I have Kribos and Hognos. That <laughs> yeah, good I was point, just going to say, they can't be much worse than Falsies either. <laughs> I would argue that Falsies are probably worse than my Everything. Kribos. My Kribos, they're predictable. My, my, they're a little predictable. Usually four days after a meal, you'll have two to three messes to clean up with uh, in the next two days, and that's about it. Um but yeah, my hog knows. I mean, I'll literally flip the lights on in the morning and they'll like have written their name with poop on the glass. Like, you know what I mean? See, there's there's no enjoyment. And <laughs> like to me, that's just like, uh, no. It's all work. And like, like I was yeah. saying, if they were in maybe a six foot enclosure and I had, you know, 10 snakes instead of 120. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't yeah. enjoy it more. So, yeah. but yeah. for right now, I'm just like, you know what? I got a, I got Apidora to worry about. I've got Kribos to dial in better. I've got, you know, all this other stuff going on. I've got Maclots that I keep forgetting I have until they like are biting the crap out of me. Why do I have these things? Um, yeah, me and Maclots, we've tried. <laughs> I'm not sold on them yet. They're beautiful. I love them. And I think yeah. they're made as adults. I just don't know if they're for me yet. I still have them and I'm going to give it a shot. But they hate me. They're evil as shit. Then again, yeah. so are those that I got from you, and I love them. So, yeah, man, I don't know what it is about that that uh, that freaking exanic gene in the uh, IJs, man. It just makes them evil. But I to to you to, to the other point, the one that you sent me, that thing is probably the that is the most turned on carpet I've ever worked with in my entire life. Like that thing is just like, it puffs up like, I'm going to kill you, man. I'm going to kill you now. Come on. And it's like, holy shit. <laughs> like this, whoa. this repeat of the same clutch, exactly the same way. Oh my God. And They're it does so that thing where they get so tense and they just kind of fall over. Yeah. Yeah. yeah like, oh, uh... Oh, I go to clean and do stuff. They're perching on the water and they're squeezing it so hard and they're striking that they're pulling the water off the cup and flying <laughs> and like striking at the tub and like getting their tooth caught on their upper lip because they hit it a hundred times. They're just, but yeah. they eat. Jesus. They eat. They're savage. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. Uh, I, and it's so weird because I'm so used to IJs being the calmer ones. Yeah, these um, these F ones are not calm. There's no, no chill in there at all. And I tell you what, the wild ones I have, like they just handle so different. Yeah, than any carpet python I have. Like, like I can't keep it on a hook. I can't hold it in my hand. It's just like it just it just like whoop, like it 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 just has a different feel to it, man. It's like it's very strange, you the know. Like that, they're yeah. not. Not comfortable in hand, not good on hooks, very awkward. Like, yeah, man. They just want to get off. They're like, they're, they're you know, like, yeah, they're, they're like they're constantly stuck. moving, you know? Okay. Just true. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I got to figure out which, uh, which little demon female is going to you from this clutch. <laughs> send Tony one. I'm going to send Terrell one. And then, uh, the, so, I got a pair in this clutch that um, I posted the mail a few days ago. He's nearly black. 
the dark ones, right? Yeah. Yeah, they're nearly black. Like when you photograph them on camera, the flash really makes them black. And then you look at them in person and it's like it's like a dark chocolate black, right? Um a female who was just holding out on shedding just shed out and she's just as dark as him. The rest of the clutch has a spectrum from, you know, super bright cherry red to bright, but you can see that the top is going to have some nice black and, and contrast from top to bottom on the flanks. Right. So, um, but I'm not really sure why these two hatched out super dark. Yeah, man, I think, I don't know. I, I'm, I tend to think maybe that's we we're we're so used to seeing the one phenotype of them, you know that I think sometimes we forget that you know you know what I mean. You think of like just the carpets in Queensland, you know, up that coast, and how different they look from spot to spot. I would imagine it's kind of the same. Um, there's like the chocolate ones that I call chocolate. They're like a lot of brown, but no real yellow. It's almost like it's like that chocolate and and like a white or like uh like a dirty white almost like a gray white but not gray like a citrus tiger gray you know what i mean not that that kind of look how are they looking by the way yeah nice they're awesome all the albino um only only four of the hats didn't want to eat um and contrary to my maternally incubated jungles that were super docile these things are not these things are they're little rivers Citrus. I remember the citrus. So my citrus tigers, when I first got them, were like that, and the female mellowed out. But the the like my main ones, the 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 two, um, the the female, she's like she's the most chill snake ever. I love that snake. It's my favorite snake. And then the male, though, like he's just (laughs) yeah. As soon as she's like, oh, monkey man, ah, food, where is it? Uh, I'm just gonna put it out my head until something hits it. Uh, Is it a hook? Ah, you know, it doesn't matter. It's like holy shit, man. Like wow. Yeah, that's uh, a almost like Wilma's. Yeah, (laughs) I was just gonna say, I know a Wilma like that. (laughs) That's a that's another clutch. We got to figure out what you want from in your oh yeah so many decisions we have to make between us gonna show snakes oh look at that look at that beauty (laughs) stop biting me don't pee on the computer again (laughs) isn't carpet python baby bites the best like it's just like a little like meh yeah it's nice when they can't really hurt you (laughs) yeah stop you they go, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I demand that sound effect every time I get bit this year. <laughs> Gonna have to record it and you can play it. <laughs> so, this is uh, what did I grab? This is a female. Ow, I think this is one of the caramel albinos. Why, why? Yeah, they all ate. They're awesome. They had no issues. They're like, food? Cool. Kill it. Yeah, man. <laughs> so, oh, nice. freaking warm in here. <laughs> I got a question for you, Mr. Aspidites. Oh, yay. <laughs> if we, if you had to pick between blackheads and womas, which one would it be? We should just ask them this every month and keep a tally and see if it changes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm no, going to mark does. it down on my it, notes here. It, Go it, ahead. It, it does change. Uh, hmm, I'm thinking critically. 
blackheads. I keep blackheads. Blackheads? Yeah. Why? You want to see, see why? Yeah. Okay. Oh, <laughs> talk for 30 seconds. Okay. Talk, talk, talk. Is he pulling that? Is one I'm of his still right here. Yeah, he's gonna grab one of his his recent ones. Uh, yeah, if I'm not one. mistaken, it's a two year old Western female that just shed from uh, Derek Roddy. Correct. Yeah, yeah. He came in last week at the shop and he's all excited. He's like, Grant, look, look at shed. <laughs> and even Grant was like, God damn. Oh come on, man! Holy yeah. shit! <laughs> wow. Yeah. So he told me that she was nasty, but she still hasn't tried to bite me. So camera is probably a good opportunity for that to happen for the first time. Yeah. That's wow, man. So yeah, I would keep blackheads and there's so many flavors. They get bigger. They, I get, I've never been bit by a blackhead. I've been bit by many Wilma's now. As the head inches closer and closer to his head. They just seem a little bit smarter to me. Yeah. And a little bit more cognitively present. I agree with that statement based <laughs> on the small sample size of observations. Yeah. Which is why I think that the only part of the blackheads that those hybrids inherited was literally the blackhead. The mm-hmm. rest is all. I was going to say, yeah, they. Those they, things are so dumb about food. They're like, they everything's food. Eat it. Just like Wilma's. Yeah. yeah. But they have a blackhead. So yeah, I, I, I upgraded them. By the way, you'll find they're in big tubs now. Good, good. Crap but all yeah, over the place. They're cool. I would man. keep the blackheads. Yeah. Do you prefer the westerns or the easterns? The westerns. Now, now that's tricky. Um, I think that I'm really enamored with the westerns right now because I just they just became available to me recently. You know, like uh-huh. they're they're new for me. But I think that both phenotypes have their pluses um you know i i do really like the look of the eastern as well and i think that we also have to acknowledge the fact that probably most of the blackheads in the u.s despite our best efforts are mixed um and i think that some of the animals that get some of the best of both worlds are some of the best that i've ever seen you know ones with western contrast but eastern color you know don't discount that um yeah that's that's basically what swiss line is if i'm not mistaken is a mixture of the two that has been refined for nice clean bands but still having good color so i don't know it's tricky i like them both (laughs) i now the one we saw in the wild wasn't as nice as that but dude i like that was that was life-changing man that was that was cool (laughs) yeah I believe yeah. it. I think that I'm to a point now where when that, when, not if that happens for me, I'm just going to faint. <laughs> You'll lose your shit, man. Yeah. I think, I think that's like kind of the next step in keeping like it. That's the next progression of keeping is becoming obsessed with finding your species, whether you breed it or you just keep it well. Then the next step, whether you do want to breed or not, I think needs to be seeing it in the wild. I think that's like, if you really, truly appreciate an animal and you have the opportunity to go see it in the wild, that should be next on your list. Yeah, we were talking about that last night, you know, and, you know, that's a drum I've been beating for a while. And I I only beat it because it sounds like I beat it to death. But, like, I wish somebody would have sort of forced me to do it when I was younger because I think, like, man, I missed out on a lot of time that I could have been been doing this. And I, 
you know. Yeah, I did it. You know, absolutely. There was always a reason, always an excuse, you know. But shit, man, you can't get the time back. You know, once it's gone, it's gone. Uh So yeah, man. Wow, look at that. This one, he's in, he's in pre-shed right now. But this is the other western. That thing's super nice. Good I kind of like how the bands get wide at the top there, and it makes it like almost a black bag. Yeah. And that black stripe behind yeah. the chin. Very yep. pretty. So my Palmerson Jungle female has that that black line that's on the belly or okay. sort of on the chin down, but it goes down the entire body of the snake. That's awesome. That's right. oh, so cool. I love uh, seeing that. Yeah, if I'm not mistaken, I think Derek has blackheads with a black stripe on the entire belly. Yeah. Yeah, I think he does. Yeah. But yeah, again, like Riley said, ask me next month. Maybe I'll pick Wilma's. <laughs> After I show you the picture of Keith. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or if I just go look at the, the things I have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. True story. I uh I hatched out a, another female zebra this year that's like partially dorsally striped. Oh wow. Nice. But what See, I find a lot is the zebras have striped bellies. Yeah. And Owen told me for the longest time that if you you couldn't breed stripes into a zebra. Oh, you I think it's I think it's impossible to say that you can't because Palmerston yeah. is in zebra. Yeah. Like the zebra gene has Palmerston origins. Speaking of zebra, I have a uh, carpet cliff notes on the zebra carpet python and the history and the origins and all that stuff, right. genetics issues, uh, some of the combos that have been done to date. Um, and then, be slick. Awesome. I actually got a I got Justin Julander because he was really the first guy in the U.S. to produce um, zebra carpets. Nice. <laughs> so I got him to do a little. Uh, pre-intro on uh reptile fight club and uh i'm gonna throw that in there so should be cool awesome i'm excited forward to that i gotta record some more calibre corner with owen yeah we ran out i was like i I forget so what i what i've been doing is like when you i used to do it like every time i would go to release it i would mix it which was kind of dumb right so I just started doing it to where I would mix all three of them and just like keep the intro and the outro, take it out, put the new one in, cut it, edit it, pay, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then just do all three. And then I found out that on our platform that po- that hosts the podcast, you can set it to just release. Like, yeah, like today, schedule. Yeah, today the Reptile Fight Club came out and I was like, I don't even remember editing it and i was like oh look a new version of the reptile fight club like i didn't have anything to do with it i'm like oh this is gonna be excellent <laughs> that's awesome very cool yeah, yeah. technology is our friend yes 100 <laughs> percent. riley you should do tantilla in honor of their uh their herping find and then you can talk about colubroids <laughs> interesting i'll be right back Good. Or not. I don't know. No, I, could. I, I was actually, I was considering reaching out to, to Owen and Rob to see if there was anything on their radar that they were like really itching for lately. 
And I'm sure if I ask Rob, there will be answers influenced by their most recent tech. <laughs> trip. Uh, it would be topical. And I actually will take that suggestion to heart. That's a good one. <laughs> there's, let's see, there's patch nose, there's leaf nose, there's the, the little black ones. Yeah. Um, what else is there? There's racers, there's coach whips, there's liar snakes, there's night snakes, there's alterna, there's great, like, dude, there's everything there. Everything. Oh, yeah. I mean, I personally want to know more about the Tantillas because they're apparently also dipsatids, which makes no sense in my head. <laughs> I'm that right now. Huh? You're hooked on that. That's in your head. Well, man. it's just weird because like every, everything else, like that makes sense. Like hog noses, falsies, all, you know, all those different things being dipsatids makes sense to me. But right. <laughs> then there's Tantilla. <laughs> Yeah, that they are kind of uh, a gray area in themselves, right? I don't know. <laughs> oh, there you, go. I, you know what else I should? Uh, I need to reach out to Ryan Dumas about the uh, Madagascar leaf nose snakes, the Langaha. Have you seen those? I have not. Oh, they're they're crazy. The the. The interesting thing about them is they're sexually dimorphic and the, the males and females have different rostral appendage shapes and structures. Um, but they, uh, they're, yeah, they're a trippy, trippy little colubrid, but yeah, that my list keeps growing as I, as things are going on or I hear of other stuff or new discoveries are happening, or I see something at a, at a reptile show, I'll, I'll make those little notes in my phone. So this list of colubrid species just growing and growing not good nice that, <laughs> that you want that like well that i'm just curious about that i'd love right. to keep that you know we should talk about for the show every time i go visit my friend glenn he introduces me to something that i've either never seen in person or never heard of um and he's local to me and he loves all sorts of good stuff like that and so he um he's got uh butterflower rat snake babies and i was drooling over those i mean bear and i uh rhino rats like all these cool things man it's just like ah if only i had an endless amount of time money and warehouse space to literally work with every snake species on the planet i would just be like all right i'm going till i die i'm just gonna do this <laughs> i literally try and fill this with everything possible till i die right that would just be amazing yeah i'd go crazy Start i know with <laughs> would you ever keep so, if you could would you ever keep australian venomous 100 percent. yeah absolutely part partially because i feel like the the anti-venom synthesis they have for those species is so dialed in that it's very safe even in a situation if an accident happens if you've, you've got that figured out i mean obviously rural areas if you don't have venom any venom on hand you're in trouble but um those right. things man i was just watching uh, uh a video uh, from this youtube channel called the nature of science that hasn't put out a video in like three years and they're talking about why um australian snakes are so much more venomous than other snakes and basically it's because they're just they're on an island food isn't 
quite as available as some of the other places. It's very limited and they just, some of them have to be in extremely toxic to make sure they get that meal for sure. Um, and they were grabbing, you know, six different venomous and literally hand milking into a vial and looking at the volume and comparing. It was just, it was pretty crazy. Um, I think, I think I would start with a lot of the, the Sudeches, the, the Colette snakes and, and, uh, uh, red belly blacks and whatnot. Okay. And then I would really, really love to, to see a Taipan in a naturalistic setup, like hunting around doing its thing. Cause they're such switched on snakes and then seeing a death adder perfectly camouflage and some leaf litter in a nice naturalistic setup would be pretty, pretty epic as well. Oh, hundred percent for sure. Uh, I, I just, I don't, I don't have any like, personal hesitance or doubt in myself working with venomous um i don't know i just i had enough of a a solid foundation at a good safe respectful pace and and foundation that like i'm i'm pretty confident and i trust myself with hooks and with certain animals as long as it's in a good space and open room and you know what i mean like mm-hmm. i feel pretty confident in my ability to manipulate and keep myself out of striking range at the very least, you know? So mm-hmm. you just have to be patient and understand it's not going to, yeah, you're not going to be able to just pick up a snake on a hook and just whoop, go in the can, whoop, go in the cage. It's like, you're going to work with it, play with it. And it's going to, you're going to earn it, you know? So playing with yeah. in the zoo, getting, getting some of the venomous out into the, the elephant barn and locking ourselves in with a ton of space was just kind of like the best way to really build that confidence and, and that, that hook skill foundation mm, so that's right. interesting i'm pretty ambidextrous with hooks i can kind of use them left and right handed and, and feel like it's an extension of my hand so nice well, that's cool <clears throat> how many how many hours did you have to work with with a- oh i mean the way we did it in in santa barbara it so it, as far as the zoos go they require some sort of formal training education structure that can be unique to the facility. Florida's hour system is their state system. California doesn't have anything like that. So zoos can kind of do whatever they want. But um, yeah, I spent a year and a half um, training on Heloderma and pit vipers and false water cobras and, you know, rattlesnakes and things like that. So, um, it took me about a year and a half of putting in at least, you know, an hour or so every week here and there, um, feeding, cleaning, vet procedures, whatever it was. And then eventually got to the point where not only was I, um, signed off on all the venomous, uh, as one of the primary keepers, but I eventually took the reins in training some of the, the keepers that came in after me, um, for a few years and taught the program and, you know, kind of helped other people get their certification for a few years. So, right. Yeah. That's, that's fun. Awesome. It's good stuff. I, I, I'll tell you, I'm much more confident with, with venomous snakes than crocodilians, <laughs> but crocs are, uh, there, there's, there's easy ways to stay out of trouble, I guess. But I don't know with venomous snakes, you kind of have to be somewhat in harm's way a little bit. I don't know. I, I just connect better with snakes. So 
Yeah, I would think that that uh, kind of plays a part in, uh, you know, you know, I mean, if you feel more comfortable with the snakes, then, you know. Yeah, I just I never I never got nervous about being in close proximity with venomous or or working with them on hooks at like waist level or eye level or I don't know. I've just never really. And maybe that's maybe that's a naive thing to not be you know, uh, a little bit hesitant or nervous. And maybe I would be in, in something new, but I don't know. I just trust my abilities, I guess. Uh, yeah. Pretty confident using hooks with animals that don't like me. So, <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 Like Eastern diamondbacks that are five and a half feet and you're using a 40 inch hook and you got to choke up a foot just to get the <laughs> leverage to hold it. And the hook's bowing because she weighs eight pounds and now she's not 40 inches away from you, but more like 26 inches away from you and has about a 30 inch strike range. And she hates everything about your existence. You get pretty good and confident with your hook skills. So. Heck yeah. yeah. So I don't know. I don't know if I'd ever want to keep, keep any at home. I've tossed that idea around over the years off and on. And I think ultimately, unless I was involved in an organization or institution that had a good protocol, a team, um, anti-venom on hand, you know, uh, some sort of system where an accident could be handled systematically very well. At home, it just seems like there's it's too flippant and um, too much room for error. Mm -hmm. I just... I like the fact that I can tell people I've had zero accidents, zero bites and a hundred percent success rate and everything I've done involved in venomous. So I want to keep it that way. Yeah, for sure. I don't know. They're fun though. I love Gila Derma. I'd keep Gila's or beaded lizards. That's for sure. They're fun. Yeah. That's my dad's dream. Uh, uh, yeah. They're dream. cool, man. I just did he get them. Uh, Dark frogs for Father's Day. It's pretty cool. What, time? what a I'm good with, son. <laughs> I'm bad with the species name, but they're the yellow and black and blue legs ones. If you say it, I oh, would know. Oh, they're uh, Cinctorius. The, yeah. um, uh, if they're yellow and black and blue legs, they could be... Well, there's a lot of different localities they could be, but yeah. they. I think be, I, those, are, those are pretty. I think I have a picture of it. Hold on. Let me see if I have. I love dart frogs. One of my coworkers in Santa Barbara instilled a love of dart frogs in me from a very early, early time, and and just kind of got me fascinated with breeding them and raising tadpoles and stuff. And so I was fortunate enough to do that enough to appreciate the heck out of them. And we got some at the shop that I'm raising up for breeding too. So, Lucas, you should get some frogs. I would love some frogs. Oh. Those are so pretty. Those are citronellas. Is that what they are? Yeah, I nice. believe that's a citronella. Those are absolutely gorgeous. He, Those he, are nice because they're confident when they get to be adults. They get big. They're like, you know, like probably three inches diagonally because of the, the arch. And they'll sit out. And they're, they're confident little frogs, man. And with your dad's green thumb and ability to really dial in a, a nice plant of vivarium, those are going to be some showstoppers for sure. Yeah. Um, it was, uh, 
he had like, so I went there. When did I go there? Um, uh, right before Father's Day, I had st- right when I got back from Texas, I stopped there and. What, Amber? Been- no, no, no. I went to uh, to his to his place. I I oh. bought that. We got them from um, Black Jungle. I just I just looked up. Um, you know, dart frogs and whatnot, and they could do gift certificate or whatever. I think I remember Zach telling me that that was uh, they were who he used. Right. Um, uh, but um, I uh, I I went to his place and he has this the cage that he's been growing out for like the past three or four months, and um. And I was like, I was like, what are you putting in here? He's like, oh, these are the dart frogs, but I don't really have the money to get them right now. So I, I, I tell my siblings, I was like, whatever dumb shit you're gonna buy dad for your birth for Father's Day, just don't do it. It's a waste of money. Just put in money. I'm gonna give this much. You know, you put in whatever you can, and he'll be able to get a group of these frogs. So uh, that's yeah, awesome. Yeah. So dude, yeah. that's. Better than an Amazon gift card or whatever the hell. Yeah, that's yeah. what I'm saying. You know, I I don't know. I would like that. I would be like, yes, finally, somebody figured <laughs> me out. You know, it's like, good job, kids. <laughs> exactly. That's um, awesome, man. That's that's cool. I I think it's neat to uh, to be so focused on on the carpet pythons and everything you've got going on, and then seeing your dad like have his sort of uh, resurrection back into, into the hobby and then just having a genuine, truly devoted love for whatever's right in front of him and doing it. And we kind of get to pull a little of that positive energy out from your observations within. And I think that's, I think that's probably the the main reason why I can never only keep one species just because yeah, enrichment for me in seeing all this other stuff. Yeah. It's, I think it had an, I I think probably, I, you know, I try to equate like, what was this change in my thinking and keeping and all these things? And like, why did I have this shift in my head? And like, I, I think there's a multitude of reasons, but the thing that I think probably affected me more than anything was his style of keeping. Right. Mm -hmm. And what amazes me, and I say this all the time, is like he doesn't go on Facebook groups. He doesn't listen to YouTube. He he didn't even know I had this YouTube channel. He's (laughs) like, wait, you're on YouTube? I didn't know that. I can listen to you all the time now. And I'm like, he wasn't subscribed. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, wait, dad, you didn't subscribe. Yeah, I did. I was like, we're trying to get to a thousand. I need every person subscribe to him uh, and all of you people at this dinner table subscribe now <laughs> over, um, over the uh, loudspeaker at the grocery store. <laughs> Attention all shoppers, please on your way home, subscribe to the Morality Python radio network YouTube channel. Thank you. 10% off. <laughs> you want a COVID shot? Subscribe. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um, That's hilarious. But, uh, but yeah, man, I, I like, dude, the, the, you know, it started with these emerald green skinks and like, you know, he's, he's got this, he's got a group of, what has he got? Three of them, three of them, you know, he's got this cage. He's got, he's got the foggers in this thing. He's got, uh, dude, it's, it's nuts. He's got this desert set up with live 
And that's the thing. That's the other thing, right? I hear all the time about people keeping naturalistic enclosures and they struggle with desert. Not him. He's got all these live plants in this desert setup with these. He's got like these shale rocks and stuff that are like made into caves. And I'm like, what the hell? Why? Where? What? That's exactly what I want to do for my little uh, crocodile geckos. Do yeah, something man. Like that and slate and yeah, so, that's, so impressive man so yeah, that's awesome it's it's very palpable how much of that is becoming a focus in the hobby these days and it's really cool because ultimately it means people are just trying to do better for their animals and it's yeah it's really cool man it's really yeah. inspiring i mean you know i still keep and breed things in racks and whatnot but like even that's changing like i'm trying to yeah it's not something you can just you know, that's what I try to explain, right? You, we can't just like, you know, you've kept this way for X amount of time. You can't just switch, a, you can't just flip the switch and everything changes, you know? It's like yeah. you slowly evolve over time and, you know, you add right. this, that, whatever, blah, blah, blah. But like he makes comments to me like, you know, he's like, yeah, I don't understand why you, what, why you keep them in this drawer. You never get to see them. Like, right. what's the point of even having them if you can't see what they do? And I'm like, Right. Fair play. Fair play. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think after, after you guys found those videos of like Womas excavating sand burrows, and now that mm. I have Womas, like I want to keep them on sand. So yeah, man. See, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So I think, uh, yeah. yeah 100%. Definitely a big shift for me, anyway. I, you know, I, I'm constantly being pulled with my internal struggles of trying to have all the carpet pythons and trying to survive. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, you know, and even that, like, I think like I have a nice group of like reds and MBBs and all the different stripe reds and different outcross reds and Russian tiger reds and, you know, all these different reds for like a nice red tiger project. And, you know, like the thing that I think this is where like somebody like Martin inspires me or somebody like, you know, uh, John Battaglia or something like that, where he's like, okay, yeah, all these carpets are cool, but I'm going to do this. And this is what I'm going to be. You know what I mean? It's like, I, yeah, I, I dig them all, uh, you know, but this is the project that I'm going to breed, you know, yeah. and sort of focus on that. And, you know, there's so many of those things that me personally, I could have. And like, I just kind of like try to do it all, you know, so that's why I'm trying to take it back. Right. So like morph wise, it's citrus tigers. I'm like, what am I doing? Like I have this huge group of these things and I'm like, I don't know. We just need some, but we just need an advocate and a champion for each each yeah. project yeah. to make sure it all stays around. You know, that's all. That was always my my worry that it would kind of disappear into uh, into nothing, and you know, but even still, like I, I don't know, there's just some of them I can't get rid of, and I just I can't yeah. see myself not having them. So I'm gonna have to figure out a way to do it. I guess I'm taking over another bedroom or something. <laughs> like a building in the back. That too, yeah. Or I'm gonna move. I don't know. <laughs> okay, you know. Yeah, or you're gonna have to like lease a warehouse. MPR Serpentarium. Yeah, yeah. man. Oh, yeah, the dream. Uh, yeah, that might have to happen in a couple of years. The dream. I think it does. Uh, yeah. I would love that to. We happen. have everything we need. Yeah, just form an LLC real quick, uh, and then just make it a, a rodent breeding warehouse in the front with a little retail section. And then, and when we're struggling at the very beginning, Eric and I can busk in the streets for, that's for right. change. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 
We'll just have a little uh, little music stage up front, and uh, maybe maybe a maybe a little bar. We're building we'll get, a snake house. <laughs> we'll get, we'll get uh, permitted to, a liquor license to sell beer there. Mm. It'd be great, Dangerous. dude. You know, it's speaking of music, right? Um, I there's another thing that me and Keith sort of like lock in on is music, right? And it's so funny to have somebody that can appreciate music on a musician's level, but don't have any idea of how, you know, of, of what's hard to do or not hard <laughs> to do. You know what I mean? It's just like they sure. just love the music for the beauty of the music, and like every day we're sending each other back and forth, like. He'll send me this thing, and I'm like, "Oh, you never heard of this guy? Check this <laughs> guy out, you know." And he's like, "What the hell?" <laughs> Not That's even awesome. anything like. Um, I think I sent him, uh, like, uh, you know, because he's sort of like, uh, I think he's sort of like me, sort of like a blue, like Stevie Ray Vaughan. Like I'm sure he's heard Stevie Ray Vaughan, but not like what I sent him. So I sent him like Voodoo Child, like uh, live at the Macabo, El Macabo, or whatever it is. And he's just like, what the hell? And he's like, squaring in here. <laughs> that's he's like, that's that's unbelievable. I said, I'm like Eric Johnson. Um, Eric Johnson. You know, like some of his stuff. And he's like, what yeah. the hell? This guy is not human. <laughs> I know. I I think I've told you. I know his old personal guitar tech. He's oh, down, really? Down yeah. in Santa Cruz. Yeah, he works on all my guitars. Well, until I moved. Right. But, yeah. Very so, cool. Steve Crisp. <laughs> you got to get that uh, Johnson tone. Well, yeah. I don't, I don't have any strats, but. Yeah. No? Nah, I'm a jazz master guy. Oh, I, yeah, you're a fender guy. Fender guy. But jazz master. Okay, yeah, fair enough. Jazz masters and tellies. <laughs> All right. Riley is like a dime bag Daryl V cut. <laughs> Jackson. Freaking. Yeah, dude. like. That's the best when you're like pissed or trying to work out, man. That's the music. Oh, that's the go-to music. Friday's drive home. Like yeah. you know, Friday, the windows are down. <laughs> Just fucking blaring Pantera's like, Riley <laughs> like, <laughs> 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 The other people driving in front of me are looking in the mirrors like, what the hell? And there's just me in the background like, like he's doing that. It's funny. I moved away from that when I, when I, the older I got and it's like, I guess I have to mellow out a bit, you know, because I'm not as angry as I used to be when I was in my twenties. <laughs> yeah. I find, uh, I need it more in spurts nowadays, but those yeah. spurts still like, First thing in the morning, lunch break on my drive home, occasionally while cleaning the snakes. Like, there's just so much to it. And I keep finding more of it that I've like ignored over the years, too. So, music, music yeah. and snakes, no end to it. We had a, we had in, in Texas, we had a very deep discussion, me, Phil, and Rob about music. And, you know, I, I said that I think it's silly that people, for first of all, I think the whole idea of, you know, like what's, who's the best it's it, because it's so personal, right. You know, like what you like and how it, how you can relate yeah. to the music and the song and all. It's like, I don't know. It's just, it's just a silly, like, you know, dick measuring contest about my guitar player is better than your guitar player that you like. Yeah. So your guitar player is shit, you know? 
Yeah. It's like, no, not really. Yeah. Yeah. You but. can't really do that with art. No. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah. so what? Nope. There's I a agree. lot of people with perfect technique that can't hear or feel worth a shit. And yeah. it's true, man. Yeah. We yeah. talked about that. Yeah. It's the same thing in reptiles, too. There's a lot of people that can buy and set up a beautiful collection, but if they don't have the mind for it and they don't know what they're doing, it falls flat. Yeah. Mm. I see so many parallels between music <laughs> and reptiles. Yeah. There does seem to be some linkage in the people. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Mine's uh, brutal, fast, and loose. I like it. <laughs> Motor. Okay. All right. Excellent. Well, we are at, uh, yeah, yeah, now that we had that, uh, our two hour mark. Okay. We've gone on all sorts of journeys and tangents. Sure did. And, uh, Eric, think about what you want as far as citrus tiger stuff because now that things are eaten, you know, yeah, you your, your stuff over there. So I don't have to even be tempted by it because <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know, man. Like, Anyway, we'll talk about it later. (laughs) We'll go down another tangent. Yeah, 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 exactly. So, all right. Well, we're going to wrap this up. Um, For everybody who knows, you know, find us on NPR and all the other shows that's going on. Check out the Patreon. Become a supporter today. There's two tiers. And if you want to join the Inland tier, that gets you access to a private monthly Q and a live stream with everybody, including Owen, Eric Lucas and myself. Um, Occasionally we'll try and rope Robin on those things as he's available. But yeah, if you want to support what Eric and Owen have built over the last decade, there's the Patreon, there's uh, the YouTube channel you're watching this on now. If you're watching this live or recorded later, don't forget to like comment, subscribe. And uh, otherwise you can check out all the shows on Spotify and most of your other major podcast apps. And for me, uh, my name is Riley Jimison. You can just find me on YouTube under Riley Jimison or everything socials for uh, Riley's Reptiles. And that's all I got. Very good. Very good. I am Lucas, and you can find me <laughs> if you want to at Centurion Exotics. <laughs> if you want headline. I got your bread line. Yeah, if you want to see how bad I'm saturating that market, give me a follow. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. <laughs> jokes, uh, jokes, jokes. Cool. Yeah, and uh, just check out the website, moraypythonradio.com. And if you want to get in touch with me or us, info at moraypythonradio.com. That's it. Oh, <laughs> Slayer. Jazz hands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Do metal music the jazz hands like ah, yes. Master hey, it, it works. Master. There's Master. a lot of parallels <laughs> with jazz and metal. But have a great weekend, everybody. Yes. <laughs> yes. Right on. Later, you can't lose what you never had. <laughs> <laughs>